Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff's Spirit of where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Pirkei Avis Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. The, the next mission of Mishnah Dalid in Perak Dalid is actually a, it's a double Mishnah because there are really two halves of the Mishnah said by two different rabbis, but the mission, but the two thoughts are connected to each other. We're going to have to explain the first thought and then the second thought and then show how they're connected to each other. That'll take us in the next two classes. We'll talk about class schedule at the end of, uh, of today's year. Okay. So the Mishnah says as follows. The Mishnah says, Rabbi Levitas, um, Rabbi Levitas, Ish Yavna, a man of Yavna, and when it calls him an Ish Yavna, it means that he's a, he was a very prominent person in Yavna, said that Ma'od Ma'od Ruach, that a person should be exceedingly humble. Shetikvas Enish Rima, because the tikva, the hope of a person, is Rima, is worm fodder. That's the first half of the Mishnah. That's all I want to deal with tonight. I want to deal with this idea of what does that mean, ma'od ma'od havishafa ruach? We don't find language like that in any other thing. It doesn't say ma'od ma'od havishamer shabbos. It doesn't say very much you should be a shamer shabbos. It doesn't say ma'od ma'od you have to l'recha kamecha, you have to love other people as yourself. Ma'od ma'od you have to, Hashem lekecha, you have to love the Lord your God. We don't use that kind of double language of ma'od ma'od, very much you need to do this. Why, when it comes to being a shval ruach, when it comes to being humble, is it necessary to use a language of me'od, me'od, of being exceedingly humble? Be humble. You know, if you, if you accomplish in your lifetime that you have a shtickle humility, you've done a big thing. So why do you need to be me'od, me'od? What's the necessity to have to go that extra step of being me'od, me'od, shval ruach? That's problem number one. Problem number two is that why should you be humble? Because tikvas enosh rima. Now translated the way it would normally be translated means that the hope of a person is rima, is that they're going to be worm fodder. Really? That's all you have to look forward to? Whole lifetime of, of working and sweating and schwitzing and of accomplishing? And what, what do you have to look forward to? Being worm fodder? Really? That's it? And this is not the only place that we've talked about worm fodder. You all remember this. We've spoken about before that a person has to know where he came from, where he is going to, and where is he going to? He's going to worm fodder. He's going to die and be buried in the ground. We've spoken about this on numerous occasions. Why would the Mishnah need to say this to me again in the context of being humble 
and repeat this idea that in the end, all you're going to be is worm fodder anyway, so you might as well be humble. I could understand that you can't take it with you. And that message of not getting too involved in material things is because in the end, you can't take it with you and you're just going to be fodder for the worms. And any advantage you do for your body in this world is not going to come with you to the next world. I understand that message. I get that. But to tell me to be exceedingly humble because in the end, I'm going to be worm fodder. What's the message? And my fourth problem is, is that usually we expect you, the Rambam expects us to live in the center ground. When it comes to Midos, when it comes to character, we have to find that middle road in character, that we can't be too much to the one side, too much to the other side. We have to be somewhere in the middle. And yet in this mission, it tells me, don't be in the middle when it comes to humility. Don't be in the middle when it comes to the negative characteristic of haughtiness, of arrogance, but rather, me'oid, me'oid, heavy ruach, that you have to be all the way over to one side, all the way over to the side of being humble. Why, why, do, we, why do I have to be all the way over to one side? If the, the derech memutza, the middle ground, is really where I'm supposed to be living, then why am I going all the way over to one side? Okay, so to understand this Mishnah, I think we need to understand exactly what is a Shval Ruach. What is a person of a low spirit or exceedingly humble? And if you look carefully at the Mishnah, what you're going to see in a few minutes is that the Mishnah was very clear in its instruction of what it expects of us and how it expects us to get there. The statement of ma'od ma'od havishval ruach is not just a value. It's not just telling me this is where you need to be, but it's telling me how to get there because tikvas enosh rima. And let's explain. Most people <clears throat> have a feeling and an understanding of who they are. If you were to ask a person who they are, they can describe themselves, one would hope, describe themselves and explain who they are. But very often, that understanding of ourselves is based upon our potentials, but not necessarily on our actuals. A lot of times we base our own perception of ourselves based on what we know that we could do, as opposed to what we are actually doing and that we expect to be given covered, we expect to be given respect based on the perception that I have of myself. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> a person can't sing. Now, if a person can't sing, and they think that they have an amazing voice, and they're insulted when somebody tells them that they don't have a great voice, so then that person is delusional. <laughs> That's, you know, person needs their own therapy. But if a person can't sing, but the reason that they can't sing is because they've never taken any lessons, they've never developed their voices, they've never done anything to try to, to develop the potential that they have to be able to sing. So then such a person is it's, it's almost it's a waste because that person 
hasn't used their potentials, and then that person gets insulted when you pass them over for being a chazan, or, or when, when you say to that person, you know, I think you should sing so low, so low that nobody hears you. Right? When, when, when you realize, when, you, when, you, when you're honest, given an honest assessment to a person, look, you, know, you, you, you could sing very well, but you need to develop your voice. You need to learn nusach. You need to learn the way to, to sing. You need to, to learn how to, how, how to project. And the person gets insulted. Why does the person get insulted? It's true. If you would take a few lessons, if you would listen to some of the greater chazanim, you listen to the better balitfila in the shul, you would learn how to do this. If you would just spend the time and invest in it, in to learn how to lead the service, not just how to stand there in front of the congregation, but how to lead them in prayer, how to, how to lift them up. If you would just do that, the potential that you have, if you would just utilize it, you could be amazing. And yet you get insulted. And why do you get insulted? Because you don't view yourself on, on the way of your actuals. You don't view yourself in an honest way of who you really are. You look at yourself, you want others to look at you and see what your potentials are, what you are capable of doing. You don't want to make the investment into developing yourself into an incredible person. You don't want to invest yourself into making yourself an incredible person. Um, I apologize for those that want me to raise the volume. I just can't talk any louder than I am tonight um, based on my, uh, on, on, on my actuals, <laughs> based on where I am. Um, but uh, but I'm, trying, I'm trying to hold the mic as close as I can to myself so that hopefully everybody can hear me well. But you don't want to invest yourself. You don't want to invest your time into taking those potentials and turning them into actuals. And therefore, what you want is that you want other people to judge you based on that. You want other people to look at you based on that. That's called arrogance. That's the height of arrogance. Because what you're saying is, is that, look, I know that I could be amazing. I know that I could accomplish alumnus. I could accomplish incredible things. I'm just not willing to put in the time. And I want you to consider it as if I did. I want you to look at me as if I have put in that time and as if I have done that work. That's called gaiva. That's called the ultimate of arrogance. Comes along the Mishnah, and the Mishnah says, Ma'id ma'id have ruach. ruach is a person who gives an honest assessment of themselves and looks at what they could do, weighs it against what they do and what they have done, and realized that they could be so much more. You know, we say that God has a picture of us in heaven, and we have a picture of ourselves. And when we die, God takes our picture and superimposes it against his picture. And when we see the difference between the two, that's called Gehenna. That's called hell. Because when I realize what I could have been, and I look at myself and say, but this is all I have done, that in this world won't cause me pain, but will motivate me 
to raise myself, motivate me to work on myself, motivate me to develop myself into something great. When I know my place, because I know what I am capable of doing and I know what I am doing, and I understand that there is a disparity and therefore I need to strengthen, I need to develop, I need to work on myself, that is called a shval ruach. That is called a person who is of a low spirit. A low spirit doesn't mean a shmata. Exceedingly humble means a person who knows that they have terrific talents. But I also know that I need to even develop them further than I have. If you talk to a person, you say to them, a person is a good tennis player. And you say to them, you play tennis? Yes. Are you good? Yes. Is that haughty? No. Are you the best tennis player in the world? No, I have potential to be the best. I've got a, an ability to be able to hit a ball that is so incredible. I'm, I'm really very good at this, but I haven't yet spent the time developing myself in that. That's an honest assessment. That's called humility. Humility is understanding my talents and understanding my limitations at the same time. Understanding that I have not yet made myself into the person that I could theoretically make myself into. Remember who said those words in the Torah to be exceedingly humble, that they are the most humble person in the world? Moshe Abinu said those words. Moshe Abinu understood that what was his finest quality? Humility. He also understood that there was much more that he could do with that. He also understood that this was the strength that he was given, but that he hadn't finished yet developing his talent. And that's why it never became arrogance, because he was able to look at his shortcomings. And that's what the Mishnah is telling me. The Mishnah is telling me, you have to have a very honest perception of yourself. And how do you do that? By tikvas enosh, the greatest hope of a person is rima, is recognizing your worminess, recognizing what you're missing, recognizing that you have not lived up to your full potential yet. A person with my talents is only doing this. I judge myself based on who I am, lemasa, who I am practically, not just on what I want to be. That's ma'oid, ma'oid. I give myself an incredibly honest assessment by recognizing my worminess, by recognizing my, my, my faults, by recognizing what I am missing. Take a look at that word ma'oid. Mem, aleph, Dalid. Mem, Moshe, Aleph, Avraham, Dalid, David. What was Moshe Abinu's greatest, greatest asset? Venachnumah. What are we? 
We have such potential, but look at what we've done. We haven't lived up to that potential. Look at Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu says, I'm nothing more than dust and ash. I've been garnished. I'm nothing. I have such marvelous, amazing potential. And what have I done with it? And look at David Amelech. I am a worm. I'm not a human being. Moshe, Avram, David, those are our paradigms. Me'od, me'od. Follow those paradigms in understanding how to take what we have and to turn it into something amazing. And when we recognize that we still have room to grow, that's a shval ruach. That is a humble person. That is a person who understands who they are. And I'll tell you an amazing thing. Rachatzkel Abramsky was a great godel, a great giant, was a rav in, um, in London. And there was once a dispute between him and Shoichtim, and the government got involved, and he was put on trial. And he was sworn in, he took an oath, and they asked him, Rabbi, is it true that you are the foremost authority of Kashrus in, the, in, in Britain? And he said, yes. Is it true that you are the greatest, one of the greatest Torah scholars in Britain? And he said, yes, absolutely. And then the, the lawyer looks at him and says, isn't it true that in your religion, they teach that you have to be exceedingly humble? And he said, yes, but I'm under oath. A person has to be willing to assess themselves and to know what their talents are. One of the greatest travesties of humanity is a person, not a person who thinks that, you know, I'm a nothing, but a person who is a something who doesn't recognize their talents and their abilities and doesn't in their lifetime actualize them. That's the first thing that the mission is teaching us. Ma'oid, ma'oid, havi, shvaruach. Be honest with who you are. Be honest and understand your talents. Understand the gifts that you have to bring into this world. Understand the gifts that God endowed you with. But understand also that you're missing something. Because until you actually develop them, all they are are potentials. And I can't judge you on your potentials. We are judged on our actuals, on what we actually do with the things that we have. Without this sense of humility, without this sense of anivos, it is impossible for a human being to grow. It's impossible for a human being to shoot for something higher. Because if I think that I've already accomplished it because I know that I could, then there's nothing motivating me, nothing me pushing me on to something greater. But if I'm constantly looking at myself and saying, I could be greater, I could be kinder, I could be softer, I could be sweeter, I could be more learned because I have the potential 
potential. I believe in myself. And the proof that I have something to believe in is the fact that I woke up this morning. Because if there was nothing left for me to develop, I wouldn't have been able to get out of bed. The fact that God gave me back my soul and he put me back in this earth for another day means that there are still potentials to be actualized. There are still things for me to accomplish. And that is humility. Rabbi Levitis, who himself was a person who was showered with so much honor and so much covered, was the right person to be able to turn to us and say, enjoy the covered. Understand that the covered is being given to you because perhaps maybe you deserve it. Nevertheless, understand that there is still so much more for you to be able to accomplish. Understand that you're still a Rima, that your tikva, your greatest hope, is when you realize that you're nothing more than a worm, that you still haven't reached the potential that you have. Understand the godless, the greatness of a human being, the greatness of what he could potentially achieve. You know, we're told in a medrash that when other Marishan was created, he stood on earth and he was tall enough to reach the heavens. The very next sentence is, is that when Adam Arishan was created, he was tall enough that when he lied down and put his head in one place on earth, his feet stretched around the earth and touched his head going around the globe. Two very incredible descriptions of Adam Arishan of how big he was. He was humongous. And then he sinned. And the Medrash tells us that what did God do? He shrunk him down to the size of a regular human being. What a cute story. What's it trying to tell me? That Adam Arishon was bigger than Karim Abdul-Jabbar? I need to know that he was like an entire basketball team? How does that make Adam Arishon any bigger and greater than he was? And why would you give me two examples of Adam Arishon? One, his tall, his height was to the heavens, and the other, his height was around the globe? Because what you were telling me is, is that his potential, what Adam Arishon could have become, was he could have spiritually touched the heavens. Physically, he could have filled up the earth. This is what his potential was before he sinned. And then once he sinned, he was squashed down to a smaller size. He didn't lose his potential. It was just contained inside of a much smaller package. But that potentially a human being can become and touch the heavens. Potentially he could become the champion of the earth. He can subdue the entire globe, the entire earth. All he has to do is he has to actualize those potentials. The potentials, if that's what you live on, look at how great I could be, that's arrogant. But look at how great I am trying to become, 
look at what I am trying to achieve with the potentials that God gave me, with the talents that God gave me, that is greatness. And that is me'oid, me'oid, havishvaruach. Ashvaruach, again, is not a person who looks at themselves as being a zero. It's a person who is an honest assessor of himself and of what he could become. And the more honest of assessment we give ourselves, the greater is our chance of reaching our enormous potentials. That's what I see in this Mishnah. The next step that we're going to need to take is the second half of the Mishnah. The Rabbi Yochanan ben Baruka says, anybody who desecrates God's name in, in private, he's going to have to pay for it in public. Whether you desecrate God's name privately, or by accident, excuse me, or whether you do it on purpose, you are going to have to pay for it. What is the message of that Mishnah? Desecrating God's name in private, you have to pay for it in public. When does God do things like that? If you sin in private, leave it private. Why are you bring it out into the public? And what is desecrating God's name? What's a chilul Hashem? Not what we think it is, but what is it really? And what does chilul Hashem have to do with being exceedingly humble? Okay, 